0: Hey, Connect Church. Thank you for joining me today. This is Pastor Marcus, and I'm so thankful that you guys are viewing by online or Facebook or even the website. And today I want to talk more about our core values and the aspect of worship. And so let's just dive right in. Uh, You know, we are all worshipers, and most of us don't think of this, but at any point in given time out of our lives, we are worshiping something. And the idea today is that what is that one thing that you're worshiping the most? And that's where I'd like to take you in this time. Chances are you have other loves that are trying to take preeminence or first position or first place in your heart. And while it's okay to have other things that we like or even love, it's never okay to have those things more important or above God himself. And so today I wanna talk about how you have greater intimacy with God. That our path to growing this is going to contain things like prayer, reading God's word, but absolutely worship. And not just any kind of worship, but true worship. So, you know, when we talk about worship, it's something more than listening to a radio station like K-Love or turning on your favorite playlist on Spotify. Though those are helpful tools, that's not the absolute measure of what true worship's all about. I'm talking about true worship as scripture has defined. And if we go to the book of John in the fourth chapter, it says this, But the hour is coming, now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So what does that mean when we say the phrase spirit and truth? I'll tell you. It simply means this. That you have a lifestyle that's living in harmony with the very nature and the very will of God himself. Most people don't quite understand what worship's all about. But I'll tell you what, it's not. And that's going to help us to, to understand and unfold this as we go along this morning. It's not God that has a huge ego and he needs a choir or he needs a, a worship team or a full band or orchestra. None of those things. No, nope. what he's after is you. In other words, he wants your heart. He wants the affection that is behind that heart. He knows that your attention will lead to your affection. So he wants your heart. And we've already discussed much of this in our core value series dealing with uh, growing and generosity and even the power of God. So today I continue in the core value of worship. So what is worship? Well worship is love expressed. Let me say it like this, there is no worship that is not expressed. At Connect Church, we like to say it this way about worship. Everything you love shows. Can you say that with me again? Everything you love shows. You are a worshiper. Whether you think so or not, you are. Yeah. And something's always getting your love and your worship. But we want to be careful not to have other loves above God. So we tend to worship what we value or what we treasure the most. And as believers, there are three things that we can focus on and that we should focus on. And those three things are prayer, the word, and worship. To encounter God, I believe you're gonna need prayer, the word, and absolutely worship. So what does it really look like if that treasure is God himself first? I have a pet peeve, and it's that we express sometimes more love towards something other than God. Uh, An example would be football. It could be shopping, it could be, buying things it can be watching endless hours of netflix and another pet peeve would be that we're called a fan on saturday when we have the pick, skin, in football we go all crazy out for that and then we're called a fanatic on sunday loving jesus expressively and that bugs me and the reason so is because it's the same expression in both and in both i am a fan i love both so why is worship important Well, to understand anything in scripture, we normally have to go back to the place of first beginnings. In seminary, we call this the law of first order. In scripture, it teaches us that there are three archangels. Each has a distinct name and function. First name, Michael. Then there was Gabriel, and then Lucifer. Michael is always showing up answering prayers. Gabriel, he delivers the word. And then Lucifer was constantly leading and expressing worship. And a theory I have, and I think I'm right, is that these things were so important that God made such a big deal about what each one did. And what God cares about most is found here. That's why he had a third of the angels assigned to each function and dedicated to those areas. And scripture does say that the Lucifer fell when he did, a third of the angels that were with him also fell. So I think they had an organizational structure or a leadership model That was in each of these three areas, and that's my thought. It's a good thought, though. Alongside of that, most scholars believe Lucifer was over-worshipped entirely. Isaiah 14 says it like this, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Siphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And Jesus says in Luke 10, I saw Satan fall like lightning, which means it lasted that long. And it wasn't a fight. God doesn't have an enemy. He is our enemy. He's not God's enemy because God is all. Powerful. The only reason he got kicked out was because of one reason alone pride. Nothing else has changed since that time. Remember in Luke 4, it says Satan is still saying, Fall down, worship me, Jesus. Sound familiar? He's still filled with pride. If we go back to Isaiah 14, it says, Your pomp has brought down the shield and the sound of your stringed instruments. See, Satan possessed stringed instruments. Most actually believe that they were actually inside of him. So he was an instrument. Just think about that now. Here's another description of him in Ezekiel 28. You are perfect in beauty, speaking of Lucifer. In other words, he was not this little red-tailed demon that walks around with his little pitchfork. Verse 13 says it this way. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. Ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire turquoise and barrel. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. Another translation says settings and mountings were actually timbrels and pipes. And all that I say to say this, as one of the archangels, Lucifer possessed string instruments. He possessed percussion and cymbals. And he even possessed wind instruments like a flute or a saxophone. Here's a correlation for you. There's a very interesting thing about music in every orchestra there's going to be wind instruments that you blow there are going to be string instruments that you pluck and then there's going to be percussion instruments that you bang and then in an orchestra there's always all three in all of music you're either going to be plucking something blowing something or hitting something you understand right so the satan that we describe out of scripture he possessed all of these he was music he was an orchestra Look at what it says in in verse 14 through 17. You were anointed. He was anointed to do all of this. In other words, he didn't lose his functionality. And today he still uses it, but he uses it deceitfully. He uses those gifts to control culture. And you look at any movement going on in the wrong direction, I can guarantee you there's going to be music that's there to support that theme and carry that movement. Like in, in the 80s, it was Alice Cooper's song, Suicide Solution. So we've got to be careful. As a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. And through widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. And so I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God real fast. (laughs) And I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on the account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. And so I threw you to the earth, and I made a spectacle out of you before kings. And to this day, the Bible calls Satan the God of this world. Second Corinthians says this in verse four, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. In First John 5, it says, we know that we are children of God And the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So Lucifer was music, and he still is. He was the worship leader, but he got fired, let go, nanya, which means God needed a replacement. And guess who that is? It's you. That's me. He needed a worship leader. Now, I say all this to say this. Worship is so, so important, and it replaced Lucifer. You are now God's worship leaders. And I know many of you don't think of yourself as a worship leader. You're like, I'm not you, Pastor Marcus. I'm not the worship team. I can't do that. I can't sing. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the position of your heart as I first started this today and how the functions that he once assigned to Lucifer have all now been translated to you. That's the whole reason why you were created. God created you for the purpose of worship. you getting this? It's starting to sink in, I think. It's your job description. And it's for God's pleasure that you've been created. And so you were created by him, for him, to bring him honor and glory. Now you are in charge of worship. It's our responsibility, actually. And he created your body to worship. He put cords and strings in the back of your, of your throat to sing. The trees can't do that. And he gave you percussion with your hands so you could clap. He gives you wind instruments so you could shout and you can... Whistle, right? And then you replace Satan this way, and this is why he hates you so much. You took his job. You're not just a worshiper, you're a worship leader. And it says in Scripture in First Peter two nine, but you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can I tell you something? All of hell's trying to keep you from your job. It's trying to keep you from your purpose. It's trying to keep you from your role. By and large, we're not doing a good job in the church, generally speaking, when we're not good worshipers. And if we are, we are giving our best worship to the wrong things. Satan's so mad he comes along and he has the same abilities, trying to misdirect every one of us here, including you. Yeah. And we see him, he tried to tempt Jesus. And all three times he was trying to keep Jesus from worshiping God. Well, if he's trying to keep the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ, from worshiping God, you can definitely put it down. He's gonna try to keep you from worshiping God. And so what he does, he gets you in a place where you become self-absorbed. Everything's about me, everything's about me, everything's about me, instead of about God. And we see this as being played out in our lives like, you know. I've got to have more things. I've got to look a certain way. I've got to do certain things to be accepted and all this kind of stuff. We become worshipers of ourselves to the point where it's unhealthy and it's unsustainable. And when we get Jesus' final words in Revelation, this is what he says to the seven churches. To the church at Ephesus write this, but you've left your first love. You forgot what I created you for. Don't forget what it's all about. So he created you to worship, that's true. This is so huge to God. To spend time in his presence is so, so important. Revelation 2, 5 says, consider how far you have fallen, repent and do the things that you did at first. And if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Some translations say, remember the height from which you have fallen. So how do we keep from falling and stay a true worshiper that I defined earlier today? I'll give you a couple steps. First thing we can do is to remember our first love. Go back to the moment where you were first in love and do what you did then. Let me give you a story. There's this elderly couple, right? They're sitting and they're watching TV. And she says this, I remember when you would hug and hold and even nibble at my neck affectionately, Reuben. I wish we could be like that again, Reuben. Then he got up and he left, Reuben that is. and so. She, by the way, was called Nadine. And she thought she offended him and asked, Honey, did I offend you? And he said, Nope. I'm just going to the bathroom to get my teeth. I'll be right back. (laughs) That's a funny story. And some of you just need to go back and get your (laughs) teeth. In other words, some of you need to come back to the moment where you were madly in love like Nadine and Reuben. Let me say it like this. Always be intentional about what God is asking and ask God to make you fresh. Don't become commonplace. Don't allow yourself to become uh, used to it, in other words, or complacent. But fight against that attitude. The enemy wants you to become numb so that you don't even realize it, so that's where you're at. And then thirdly, remove any obstacles that are present. Repent. Simply repent, all, this is all it means. It means to turn around, turn back, turn away from. You are heading in this direction, but now you're going to turn around and head in the right direction. A lot of us worshiping the wrong things, like I've been saying. We put things ahead of God. That's not where they should be. Right? In other words, we're having an affair against God. That's strong, but it's, true. it's really true when you think of it that way. You're having an affair. And there's four types of affairs I have come to recognize, and they're so, so obvious when we talk about them, they are. There's a career affair. This is the one where, you know, I gotta climb that corporate ladder. I gotta be the next person in line to get that promotion. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, at the sake of my family, at the sake of my everything, I'm gonna do this. Then we have this thing called the materialistic affair. And the materialistic affair is just, I can't have enough. Okay, I gotta do one better. I gotta go out and get the new car, because it's the new car, because it's the new edition of the new car. <laughs> The activities affair, well, we're so busy. We got got this, we got that. I'm going to go here next week, next month, next year. You're so busy, but you never have enough time for the Lord making that money to get more stuff. Having those hobbies and those events, gaming, the sports, everything included. God doesn't mind you having that, but he does mind it having you. And then we have this thing called a love affair, and that's our affections going elsewhere, where they're revealed by where we spend our money or where we spend our time. So another thing we can do to get back on course is to renew ourselves, simply doing those things that we first did. So whatever got us there to begin with can get us there again now. There's a song, and I just want you to close your eyes. I wanna, I wanna just quote the lyrics of this song, and I know at the end of it you'll probably recognize what the song is. It goes like this. When the music fades, all is stripped away, And I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth and that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you've required. And you search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Incredible moment written by Matt Redmond, British worship songwriter. And it's truly what we need to do is come back to the heart of worship where it's all about Jesus. And it's not about us. It's not about exhibitionism, like I sing everything about me and what I'm doing. No, it's about who God is and him alone and every attribute of and divine will of God. And then so here's some final, Thoughts that I want to share with you, and this is good news. There is a way for you to become in a lifestyle of worship, in spirit and truth worship, where worship is premier, it's preeminent, it's at the top of the list to God. It's going to require three simple things. Be, be transparent. You see, the, the bottom line is God already knows. He knows what's in your heart. He knows when you did it why you did it. He knows all these things. So you might as well just simply be real with them. And so if you're hurting, be real with that. If you're happy, be real with that. If you don't even know, be real with that. If you're in love, excited, you know, the list is endless of our emotions. But in all, be transparent. He'll receive that. And then trust. You're gonna always get in a situation where you don't feel exactly like the moment is happening or it's like too good to be true. But that's what trust is. In other words, it's faith. You've got to employ your faith. And when you learn to trust in God, you don't rely on your feelings. Because those things fade. But you rely on the substance and the foundation and the word of God. God has feelings about you that are worth relying on. And then you can respond and you can yield to his way. And that's what we're gonna do right now. I'm gonna give you a moment to just sit there right where you're at watching today. I want you to close your eyes and just listen to these words carefully and say them with me if you will. Today, I choose to respond to the will of God by yielding my soul and my emotions to a better way. God's lifestyle of worship, true worship, something will always be ready. Something will always be waiting to become more important to me than my worship to God himself. But I know to keep my pipe free and clear so that the power of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit will manifest itself throughout my life. There is nothing more important in my life than me worshiping God, the way in which he created me to worship him." Now you can open their eyes again. The first sound you're ever going to hear when you get to eternity is going to be the sound of singing. And so I want to just wrap this up today and say thank you for your time. Hey, and if you need prayer today, I want you to send me a message to our chat box and someone will pray with you. And if you've made a decision of any kind to follow Christ, then, what I'd like you to do is simply text this word, CC Saved, to the number 97,000. And then we're gonna send you a book called What's Next. It's an incredible book. It's gonna encourage you and help propel you towards your purpose of becoming a true worshiper. Connect Church, thanks again for having me with you today. It's been a blessing to be able to share these truths with you. We are one church, many locations. And so whenever you get a chance to come visit us real time, we'll be here for you too. Until next time, have a blessed day.